Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Servant's Heart Chapel. I hope uh, this particular episode is a special blessing to you. So let's get right to it. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5, or not 5, chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, we'll begin with verse 21 in chapter 15. You can't help but notice there's a great deal uh, uh, of nostalgia uh, going on uh, around us. Uh, Even the young people, the uh, the, um, generation Y and Z, uh, they they had this great nostalgia for very 80s are very popular and and older technologies is very popular. In fact, um, the man who invented uh, cassette tapes, uh, well, he came up with the idea and he worked with a team at Philips, I think, is the company that came up with the first cassette tape design. And uh, he was actually, he admitted he's astounded that young people are buying cassette tapes. Uh, my son-in-law, a few months ago, bought a cassette. There was looking, scrounging through used cassette tapes in, in music shops and, and came up. They were selling new ones, uh, new music. They were selling cassette tapes, and he was excited to buy one. Um, and, and, and the inventor of cassette tapes was, was astounded that young people would be interested in a lesser quality technology, in his opinion, a lesser quality sound. Um, and it's really all about nostalgia. This thought, and right now we're going through a lot, lots going on in the country and around the world, and um, a lot of uncertainty. And, and it's very easy to think about the good old days. All oh, things were much simpler back then. They were better back then. But were they really? I mean, can we go back to when my parents were young people in the, in the 70s with the gas shortages and the high uh, unemployment rate and um, a lot of people struggling just to make ends meet and um, a lot of uncertainty there, Vietnam War going on. Um, or maybe my, my grandparents were young people, like World War II, and, and before that, the Great Depression, where people were just barely surviving. My, my uh, great-grandfather um, on my grandmother's side, uh, during the Depression, lost, lost their house and all their money uh, to a crooked uh, crooked deal, um, and they ended up uh, living in, in a friend's basement for a while. That's all they could afford to stay at, living in the basement. And my grandmother would have her sh- holes in her shoes, and she would she put cardboard in her shoes to, to help protect her feet from the snow and dampness. Um or how about maybe uh, going back as far as when my, my great-grandparents, maybe that was the good old days. When they were young, 
young adults. Well, they were living in a sod house. House made of dirt. Or maybe my great-great-grandparents, where they were dealing with the Civil War and, and, and just barely eking out a living as farmers. Okay, well, maybe my great-great-great-grandparents, well, they were fleeing famine. Everybody was starving in Ireland. They, they, they crossed the ocean for some kind of opportunity. When exactly are the good old days? It seems every era, every time period has its own unique challenges in life. You think about I think Job chapter 14, verse 1. It says, uh, men that are... I, oh, let me look it up so I can say it correctly. I'll misquote it. Job had it right. He said in chapter 14, verse 1, Man born of women, born of woman, is short of days and full of trouble. And that was thousands of years ago. And it hasn't changed. If we go back to time of Christ... Or actually, just after Christ, after Christ's resurrection, Paul wrote in Second Timothy, chapter three, verse one. But know this: difficult times will come in the last days, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers. Without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding the form of godliness but denying its power, avoid these people. He's saying this is happening right then. He's saying avoid those people. That was 2,000 years ago, and that sounds like today, doesn't it? Or maybe 700 years before Christ, Micah has something interesting to say. Micah chapter 7. Begin with verse 1. How sad for me, for I am like one who, when the summer fruit has been gathered after the gleaning of the grape harvest... Finds no grape cluster to eat. Everything has been picked, right? No early fig, which I crave. Godly people have vanished from the land. This is almost 3,000 years ago. There's no one upright among the people. All of them wait in ambush to shed blood. They hunt each other with a net. Both hands are good at accomplishing evil. The official and the judge demand a bribe. When a powerful man communicates his evil desire, they plot it together. The best of them is like a briar. The most upright is worse than a hedge of thorns. The day of your watchman, the day of your punishment is coming. At this time, their panic is here. Do not rely on a friend. Don't trust in a close companion. Seal your mouth from the woman who lies in your arms. 
Surely a son considers his father a fool, a daughter opposes her mother, and daughter-in-law is against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household. But, but the verse six verses very much could be current times. What does Micah say, though, in verse 7? But I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Persevering faith. The faith, and if you want a faith in life that's victorious, and that will shine in eternity, it has to be a persevering faith. We have seen so many that their faith is not persevering. They're, they're, they're weak. They trust God as long as everything goes well. And when it doesn't, it falls apart and they rely on other things, their own intellect, their own money, their own friends, their own conniving trying to make something happen, trying to make a deal, to make, you know, fix things. And they're not relying on God. They're not waiting on God. And one example, one wonderful, bright example of persevering faith came from the life of Christ here in this situation in Matthew chapter 15, beginning uh, with verse 21. We see this this desperation, this faithful perseverance, and we see a gleam of light to the Gentiles. This first gleam, that this surprise that, you know, Jesus did not just come for the Israelites, people of Israel, but he came for everybody. So let's uh, read this here. Verse 21 when Jesus left there, he drew, withdrew to the area of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly tormented by a demon. Notice first is woman was a Canaanite woman. A, uh, the Canaanites for, for, for thousands of years had been enemies uh, of Israel. And so here she's coming to Jesus as an enemy of Israel, enemy of God, and not only cried out to him, but kept crying out over and over. The Greek word indicates uh, repeated over. She's not, she's, she keeps crying out, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly torn. Have mercy, have mercy. She kept crying out over and over again. She wouldn't stop. <coughs> Notice that she Ask for mercy on herself. It's her daughter. This is intercessory prayer. She's praying for someone else. And she, she brings it upon herself. Have mercy. She makes it her own, her own trouble. We pray for others. We bring, we carry their burden. We lift their burden up to the Lord. Make it our own. Have mercy on me, O Lord. 
my daughter. Notice that she she says, she calls Jesus the son of David. That is not just any phrase, not just any term. Son of David alludes to the Messiah, the one who is to come. And so this, this pagan woman, Canaanite woman, recognized that Jesus is this Messiah. I don't know if she may, maybe knew, maybe there was some intermarriage, and she knew about this coming Messiah, but she knew. And she figured out that Jesus is the one. And so she calls him the Messiah. My daughter is cruelly tormented by a demon. There's this 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 cry of desperation, and 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 we see here um, this prayer of persevering faith. This prayer of someone who's serious. When somebody gets serious with God, there are certain characteristics to their prayer, and we see that here. First, it's short. She doesn't go in this long oration. She doesn't try to add a bunch of flowery words. She gets right to the point, her point of need. There's no game. There's no messing around. There's no excuses. There's no rationalizing. She says, sure, it is to the point. It's also humble. She doesn't lift herself up to her. I need you. Help me, Lord. Notice her prayer is, is full of faith. This is trust in Jesus. He's the one that will help her. He's the one, and so she seeks him. It's uh, there's a passion. You can you can almost feel the intensity. I mean this. This written word from something that happened 2,000 years ago, I can almost feel the intensity this woman experienced and was communicating to Jesus. She wasn't going to take no for an answer. She wasn't going to let people shout her down or dissuade her from being so distracting. She wasn't going to let Jesus pass by. Jesus passed by. There's a sermon right there. Big good sermon for revival. They just let Jesus pass by. Another day, Lord. Another time. But she she wasn't going to do that. No, she was respectful. She recognized Christ's authority. She relied solely on the mercy of God. And she was persevering. She wasn't going to give up. Say, if you pray like that, you will get answers. There will, there's something's going to happen. That's something interesting here. Verse 23. So she's crying out, right? Crying out for his help. Verse 23. Yet he did not say a word to her. 
You know, God doesn't always answer prayer right away. Sometimes just silence. Dead silence, sometimes. Sometimes you feel like your prayers aren't getting past the ceiling. You don't even sense God's presence. And, and you feel like, well, may, you feel like I'm, just, may I'm just going through the motions and, and God's not hearing me. But He does. Don't be discouraged. Don't be offended. I have people, I have people who get discouraged and people who get offended at God get mad at God because He doesn't answer their prayer like they want and when they want. I've had people walk away from God because He hasn't answered prayer exactly how they they wanted it to happen on their terms. God doesn't do that. That's not how He. That's not how He works. He does things on His terms. He's the one who's sovereign, not us. So He doesn't say anything to her. So His disciples, continuing with verse twenty-three approached him and urged him. And by the way, that Greek word infers a repeated action. So while she's repeatedly crying out, they're repeatedly trying to get him to do what? It says here, send her away because she cries out after us. They were tired of her yelling. They were tired of it. Lord, send her away. She's, she's, she's bugging us. Boy, they really not very empathetic, are they? Not very compassionate. Verse 24, he replied, he finally talks to her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You see, that the time of the Gentiles had not yet come. Jesus had not rose from the dead. The veil uh, and the Holy of Holies had not been torn open, giving everybody access to God. It wasn't time yet. Very much like when Mary got Jesus to, to uh, do the miracle of water and the wine. She, she asked him and... and to do something. And what did he tell her? He said, my time hasn't come yet. <clears throat> there was cert- He knew, Jesus knew, there were certain things had to happen in, in the right order. But she persisted. She came, verse 25, she came and knelt, got right in front of him and knelt down in front of him and said, Lord, help me. Going to let Jesus pass by. Verse 26, he answered, It isn't right to take the children's bread and, and throw it to their dogs. Now let's be careful about cultural bias. Because it's easy for us to look at that and say, Well, oh, Jesus is being kind of mean. That's not what he was doing at all. He was using an example that a certain things had to happen in a specific order. And what order was this? The blessing of the Messiah, the salvation 
had to come to the Jews first. In fact, Romans... Chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, and also to the Greek, or Gentiles, everybody else. The Jewish people, the ones who were um, given this this responsibility of being the ones from which, from which, from whom the Messiah would come were the ones that were going to be first offered this. It wasn't time yet, he was telling her. Verse 27, Yes, Lord, she said, Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Not be time yet, but maybe there's time for a small blessing, Lord. Can I have a crumb? Help me. And what did Jesus say? Verse 28. He replied to her, Woman, your faith is great. Wow. I would love to have... I, I want to exhibit a faith where Jesus could honestly say that to me. Your faith is great. Her faith was great because she trusted Christ even though... Everything was unlikely. Not only the working of the miracle being unlikely, but I, but him doing that for a Jewish person, doing that for a Canaanite person. It was unlikely. Her faith was great because she believed in Jesus before she was given an answer. She trusted him. Called the Messiah, worshipped him knelt before him and begged him before she was even given an answer. Her faith was found, her faith was great because she was determined. She would not give up. Nothing was going to keep her from, from endeavoring to seek that goal that she had in mind. Jesus said to her, Woman, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you want. And from that moment, literally hour, that hour, but that moment, her daughter was cured. You can't pray like this and not receive something, not let have something happen. Uncertainty in things is not necessary. You can know that God hears your prayers. 
persevering, believing, knowing that God cares for us, that God has our best interest in mind, that God hears our prayers and, and feels our pain, is touched. Persevering faith. Faith that's not beaten down and discouraged no matter what. No matter what life throws at you, no matter what oppositions you face, persevering faith, trusting Jesus. David, a two-year-old boy with leukemia, was taken by his mother Deborah to Massachusetts, the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston to see Dr. John Truman, who specializes in treating children with cancer and various blood diseases. Dr. Truman's prognosis was devastating. He has a 50-50 chance. The countless clinic visits, the blood tests, the intravenous drugs, the fear and pain, the mother's ordeal can be almost as bad as the child's because she has to stand by, unable to bear the pain herself, she has to stand by and watch. David never cried in the waiting room, and although his friends in the clinic had to hurt him and stick needles in him, he hustled in ahead of his mother with a smile, sure of the welcome he always got. When he was three, David had to have a spinal tap, a painful procedure at any age. It was explained to him that because he was sick, Dr. Truman had to do something to make him better. If it hurts, remember it's because he loves you, Deborah told her son. The procedure was horrendous. It took three nurses to hold David still while he yelled and sobbed and struggled. And when it was almost over, the tiny boy, soaked in sweat and tears, looked up at the doctor and gasped, Thank you, Dr. Tuman, for my hurting. This boy had faith in the doctor in spite of the pain. In spite of the fact that the doctor was the one who was causing the pain, he had faith in the doctor. He trusted him. How strong is your faith in God? In spite of those around you who would say otherwise? How strong is your faith in God in spite of of any suffering in which you are currently going through, how strong is it? I remember the instance, and we won't cover that in detail now, but there's a moment somewhere else where it wasn't a mother seeking healing, it was a father came to Jesus to heal his son. Jesus told him, all things are possible to him who believes. And the father said, I believe. Help my unbelief. 
matter what I go through, I want, Lord, I want to believe. Help my unbelief at those times where I am weak and I doubt and I struggle. Help me, God. And you know what? I believe that God will help us in those times. We need to develop a, we want all want to develop a perseverant, a resilient faith. We have to have that. Otherwise, we won't survive life. Like I said before, there was, there's no good old days. Every life has its good points and its tough points. It's wonderful times and it's very hurtful and painful times. And we need to have a faith that survives through all of that. Or when we're going through the good times, we want a faith that keeps us from forgetting God. And putting Him aside when things are going well. We want, we, and when we go through bad times, we need a faith that will help us to not get discouraged and give up on God in spite of what we're going through. How do we do that? I'm going to give you a couple points here. Number one, don't give the devil the floor in your life. You might give them the devil the floor. You give some when you're in parliamentary procedure and you give somebody the floor, they have the right to speak. They're the only ones that have the right to speak. And everybody listens until they say their piece and they give up the floor. All too very easily the devil have our ear, have have the floor in our life where he tells us you are a failure. He'll tell you that God doesn't care about you. He'll tell you that God can't help you. He'll tell you it's just too hard to be a Christian. You got to go, as Jesus turning to Peter said, Get behind me, Satan. We have to reject what the devil tells us, to discourage us from trusting in God. We develop resilient faith by relying on the support God has given us. God has given us a number of blessings in our life to help increase, to strengthen, maintain, and increase the strength of our faith. First, we have our family, family in our homes, and and, and also church family, one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, by the blood of the Christ, we're all related to Him. Encourage one another, strengthen, pray for one another, help one another. We talk to you, share each other's burdens. That's going to increase our faith. When I try to get you guys to, to testify, to share what God has done for you, you know why? And why I, I make it a point to to tell what God has done for me on a regular basis. Do you know why? Because when people will hear that, they go, oh, God does that for that person. God will do that for me. And they're encouraged by it. We also have our, outside our church family, we have our, our, our other Christian friends, other brothers and sisters in Christ in the community. That we can utilize, and I, I have, I have uh, Mennonite brothers. I enjoy getting together with every now and then because I feel encouraged by them. 
and and we're missing our going to this ministerial, and I'm going to get together with other Christian men, and I'll be encouraged by that. We develop resilient faith, another support. It are, are the inspiring stories, almost endless in this day and age with technology, um, and uh, manufacturing ability. The written word is is very easy to get right, and there's so many wonderful stories of of heroes of the faith, men and women who served God through very difficult times, and God brought them through. I think of Amy Carmichael and Charles Spurgeon. John Wesley, John Wesley's mom, Susanna Wesley, neat lady. Wonderful story. David Livingston, Jim Elliott, Billy Graham. These are just a few of the top of my head that I was able to think of when I was putting this sermon together, but there are many more. And if you don't know those names, you should. You should find out about them and read a book about them and be encouraged by the faith they they exemplify. Their support God has given us is Himself. That daily walk with Him, waking up with God and, and being with God and, and just your relationship with Him, talking to Him, sharing your burdens with Him. To include the final support, uh, specific prayers. Asking God for help in certain areas of your life and writing those down and dating them. So when you go back and, and, and you see God has answered that prayer, you can put a date on it, a stamp on it, and say, God, help me there. He answered my prayer, and that's going to increase your faith. We need God's help. I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. Let's stand. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at ServantsHeartChapel at gmail.com. Also, we have a website, ServantsHeartChapel.org. We also have a Facebook page, so you're welcome to check us out. Love to hear from you, prayer requests, anything you may need. We are here for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day.